section fifty eight of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven continued minor novelists of the victorian age in the three great novelists just considered we have an epitome of the fiction of the age dickens using the novel to solve social problems thackeray to paint the life of society as he saw it and george eliot to teach the fundamental principles of morality the influence of these three writers is reflected in all the minor novelists of the victorian age thus dickens is reflected in charles reed thackeray in anthony trollope and the bronte sisters and george eliot's psychology finds artistic expression in george meredith to these social and moral and realistic studies we should add the element of romance from which few of our modern novelists can long escape the nineteenth century which began with the romanticism of walter scott returns to its first love like a man glad to be home in its delight over blackmore's lorna doone and the romances of robert louis stevenson charles reed in his fondness for stage effects for picturing the romantic side of common life and for using the novel as the instrument of social reform there is a strong suggestion of dickens in the work of charles reed eighteen fourteen eighteen eighty four thus his peg woofington is a study of stage life from behind the scenes a terrible temptation is a study of social reforms and reformers and put yourself in his place is the picture of a working man who struggles against the injustice of the trades unions his masterpiece the cloister and the hearth eighteen sixty one one of our best historical novels is a somewhat laborious study of student and vagabond life in europe in the days of the german renaissance it has small resemblance to george eliot's romola whose scene is laid in italy during the same period but the two works may well be read in succession as the efforts of two very different novelists of the same period to restore the life of an age long past anthony trollope in his realism and especially in his conception of the novel as the entertainment of an idle hour trollope eighteen fifteen eighteen eighty two is a reflection of thackeray it would be hard to find a better duplicate of becky sharp the heroine of vanity fair for instance than is found in lizzie eustace the heroine of the eustace diamonds trollope was the most industrious and systematic of modern novelists writing a definite amount each day and the wide range of his characters suggests the human comedy of balzac his masterpiece is barchester towers eighteen fifty seven this is a study of life in a cathedral town and is remarkable for its minute pictures of bishops and clergymen with their families and dependents it would be well to read this novel in connection with the warden eighteen fifty five the last chronicle of barset eighteen sixty seven and other novels of the same series since the scenes and characters are the same in all these books and they are undoubtedly the best expression of the author's genius hawthorne says of his novels they precisely suit my taste solid and substantial 
and just as real as if some giant had hewn a great lump out of the earth and put it under a glass case with all the inhabitants going about their daily business and not suspecting that they were being made a show of charlotte bronte we have another suggestion of thackeray in the work of charlotte bronte eighteen sixteen eighteen fifty five she aimed to make her novels a realistic picture of society but she added to thackeray's realism the element of passionate and somewhat unbalanced romanticism the latter element was partly the expression of miss bronte's own nature and partly the result of her lonely and grief-stricken life which was darkened by a succession of family tragedies it will help us to understand her work if we remember that both charlotte bronte and her sister emily note emily bronte eighteen 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 forty eight was only a little less gifted than her famous sister her best-known work is wuthering heights eighteen forty seven a strong but morbid novel of love and suffering matthew arnold has said of her that for the portrayal of passion vehemence and grief emily bronte has no equal save byron an exquisite picture of emily is given in charlotte bronte's novel shirley End of note turned to literature because they found their work as governess and teacher unendurable and sought to relieve the loneliness and sadness of their own lot by creating a new world of the imagination in this new world however the sadness of the old remains and all the bronte novels have behind them an aching heart charlotte bronte's best-known work is jane eyre eighteen forty seven which with all its faults is a powerful and fascinating study of elemental love and hate reminding us vaguely of one of marlowe's tragedies this work won instant favor with the public and the author was placed in the front rank of living novelists aside from its value as a novel it is interesting in many of its early passages as the reflection of the author's own life and experience shirley eighteen forty nine and villette eighteen fifty three make up the trio of novels by which this gifted woman is generally remembered bulwer lytton edward bulwer lytton eighteen o three eighteen seventy three was an extremely versatile writer who tried almost every kind of novel known to the nineteenth century in his early life he wrote poems and dramas under the influence of byron but his first notable work pelham eighteen twenty eight one of the best of his novels was a kind of burlesque on the byronic type of gentleman as a study of contemporary manners in high society pelham has a suggestion of thackeray and the resemblance is more noticeable in other novels of the same type such as ernest maltravers eighteen thirty seven the caxtons eighteen forty eight eighteen forty nine my novel eighteen fifty three and kenelm chillingly eighteen seventy three we have a suggestion of dickens in at least two of lytton's novels paul clifford and eugene aram the heroes of which are criminals pictured as the victims rather than as the oppressors of society lytton essayed also with considerable popular success the romantic novel in the pilgrims of the rhine and zanoni and tried the ghost story in the haunted and the haunters his fame at the present day rests largely upon his historical novels in imitation of walter scott the last days of pompeii eighteen thirty four rietza eighteen thirty five and harold eighteen forty eight 
the last being his most ambitious attempt to make the novel the supplement of history in all his novels lytton is inclined to sentimentalism and sensationalism and his works though generally interesting seem hardly worthy of a high place in the history of fiction kingsley entirely different in spirit are the novels of the scholarly clergyman charles kingsley eighteen nineteen eighteen seventy five his works naturally divide themselves into three classes in the first are his social studies and problem novels such as alton locke eighteen fifty having for its hero a london tailor and poet and yeast eighteen forty eight which deals with the problem of the agricultural laborer in the second class are his historical novels hereward the wake hypatia and westward ho hypatia is a dramatic story of christianity in contact with paganism having its scene laid in alexandria at the beginning of the fifth century westward ho eighteen fifty five his best-known work is a stirring tale of english conquest by land and sea in the days of elizabeth in the third class are his various miscellaneous works not the least of which is water babies a fascinating story of a chimney sweep which mothers read to their children at bedtime to the great delight of the round-eyed little listeners under the counterpane mrs gaskell mrs elizabeth gaskell eighteen ten eighteen sixty five began like kingsley with the idea of making the novel the instrument of social reform as the wife of a clergyman in manchester she had come in close contact with the struggles and ideals of the industrial poor of a great city and she reflected her sympathy as well as her observation in mary barton eighteen forty eight and in north and south eighteen fifty five between these two problem novels she published her masterpiece cranford in eighteen fifty three the original of this country village which is given over to spinsters is undoubtedly nutsford in cheshire where mrs gaskell had spent her childhood the sympathy the keen observation and the gentle humor with which the small affairs of a country village are described make cranford one of the most delightful stories in the english language we are indebted to mrs gaskell also for the life of charlotte bronte which is one of our best biographies blackmore richard doddridge blackmore eighteen twenty five nineteen hundred was a prolific writer but he owes his fame almost entirely to one splendid novel lorna doone which was published in eighteen sixty nine the scene of this fascinating romance is laid in exmoor in the seventeenth century the story abounds in romantic scenes and incidents its descriptions of natural scenery are unsurpassed the rhythmic language is at times almost equal to poetry and the whole tone of the book is wholesome and refreshing altogether it would be hard to find a more delightful romance in any language and it well deserves the place it has won as one of the classics of our literature other works of blackmore which will repay the reader are claravon eighteen sixty four his first novel the maid of scare eighteen seventy two springhaven eighteen eighty seven pearly cross eighteen ninety four and tales from the telling house eighteen ninety six 
but none of these though he counted them his best work has met with the same favor as lorna doon meredith so much does george meredith eighteen twenty eight nineteen o nine belong to our own day that it is difficult to think of him as one of the victorian novelists his first notable work the ordeal of richard feverell was published in eighteen fifty nine the same year as george eliot's adam bede but it was not till the publication of diana of the crossways in eighteen eighty five that his power as a novelist was widely recognized he resembles browning not only in his condensed style packed with thought but also in this respect that he labored for years in obscurity and after much of his best work was published and apparently forgotten he slowly won the leading place in english fiction we are still too near to him to speak of the permanence of his work but a casual reading of any of his novels suggests a comparison and a contrast with george eliot like her he is a realist and a psychologist but while george eliot uses tragedy to teach a moral lesson meredith depends more upon comedy making vice not terrible but ridiculous for the hero or heroine of her novel george eliot invariably takes an individual and shows in each one the play of universal moral forces meredith constructs a type man as a hero and makes this type express his purpose and meaning so his characters seldom speak naturally as george eliot's do they are more like browning's characters in packing a whole paragraph into a single sentence or an exclamation on account of his enigmatic style and his psychology meredith will never be popular but by thoughtful men and women he will probably be ranked among our greatest writers of fiction the simplest and easiest of his novels for a beginner is the adventures of henry richmond eighteen seventy one among the best of his works besides the two mentioned above are beauchamp's career eighteen seventy six and the egoist eighteen seventy nine the latter is in our personal judgment one of the strongest and most convincing novels of the victorian age hardy thomas hardy eighteen forty seems like meredith to belong to the present rather than to a past age and an interesting comparison may be drawn between these two novelists in style meredith is obscure and difficult while hardy is direct and simple aiming at realism in all things meredith makes man the most important phenomenon in the universe and the struggles of men are brightened by the hope of victory hardy makes man an insignificant part of the world struggling against powers greater than himself sometimes against systems which he cannot reach or influence sometimes against a kind of grim world spirit who delights in making human affairs go wrong he is therefore hardly a realist but rather a man blinded by pessimism and his novels though generally powerful and sometimes fascinating are not pleasant or wholesome reading from the reader's viewpoint some of his earlier works like the idyllic love story under the greenwood tree eighteen seventy two and a pair of blue eyes eighteen seventy three are the most interesting 
hardy became noted however when he published far from the madding crowd a book which when it appeared anonymously in the cornhill magazine eighteen seventy four was generally attributed to george eliot for the simple reason that no other novelist was supposed to be capable of writing it the return of the native eighteen seventy eight and the woodlanders are generally regarded as hardy's masterpieces but two novels of our own day tess of the d'urbervilles eighteen ninety one and jude the obscure eighteen ninety five are better expressions of hardy's literary art and of his gloomy philosophy stevenson in pleasing contrast with hardy is robert louis stevenson eighteen fifty eighteen ninety four a brave cheery wholesome spirit who has made us all braver and cheerier by what he has written aside from their intrinsic value stevenson's novels are interesting in this respect that they mark a return to the pure romanticism of walter scott the novel of the nineteenth century had as we have shown a very definite purpose it aimed not only to represent life but to correct it and to offer a solution to pressing moral and social problems at the end of the century hardy's gloom in the face of modern social conditions became oppressive and stevenson broke away from it into that land of delightful romance in which youth finds an answer to all its questions problems differ but youth is ever the same and therefore stevenson will probably be regarded by future generations as one of our most enduring writers to his life with its heroically happy struggle first against poverty then against physical illness it is impossible to do justice in a short article even a longer biography is inadequate for stevenson's spirit not the incidents of his life is the important thing and the spirit has no biographer though he had written much better work earlier he first gained fame by his treasure island eighteen eighty three an absorbing story of pirates and of a hunt for buried gold dr jekyll and mr hyde eighteen eighty six is a profound ethical parable in which however stevenson leaves the psychology and the minute analysis of character to his readers and makes the story the chief thing in his novel kidnapped eighteen eighty six the master of ballantry eighteen eighty nine and david balfour eighteen ninety three are novels of adventure giving us vivid pictures of scotch life two romances left unfinished by his early death in samoa are the ware of hermiston and st ives the latter was finished by quiller couch in eighteen ninety seven the former is happily just as stevenson left it and though unfinished is generally regarded as his masterpiece in addition to these novels stevenson wrote a large number of essays the best of which are collected in virginibus puerisque familiar studies of men and books and memories and portraits delightful sketches of his travels are found in an inland voyage eighteen seventy eight travels with a donkey eighteen seventy nine across the plains eighteen ninety two and the amateur immigrant eighteen ninety four underwoods eighteen eighty seven is an exquisite little volume of poetry and a child's garden of verses is one of the books that mothers will always keep to read to their children 
in all his books stevenson gives the impression of a man at play rather than at work and the reader soon shares in the happy spirit of the author because of his beautiful personality and because of the love and admiration he awakened for himself in multitudes of readers we are naturally inclined to exaggerate his importance as a writer however that may be a study of his works shows him to be a consummate literary artist his style is always simple often perfect and both in his manner and in his matter he exercises a profound influence on the writers of the present generation End of section fifty eight